It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball with former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. and Odyssey Insider Cody Decker. The second half is officially underway and the clock continues to count down as we got about a little over a week before the trade deadline hits. Welcome to Big Time Baseball, uh, courtesy of Odyssey Sports. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. I'm with my my cohort, uh, Cody Decker. Cody, how you doing today, my man? Baby, I'm living the dream. I had a full weekend of incredible baseball. Uh, I'm just, man, second half is underway. Trade deadline, everything. This is arguably the most exciting time to be a baseball fan. No doubt about it. Uh, got to get into right into some of the uh, races we got going. As Cody just mentioned, There's the second half of the season should be absolutely fantastic. I think the trade deadline has gotten more and more interesting as you're starting to get a clearer picture who are the buyers, who are the sellers. Uh, but first, I want to start with uh, what could have been a very, very tragic day, uh, and it was a scary day, out in Washington, um, uh, at, at, right as the sixth, top of the sixth ends, um, gunfire breaks out uh, outside the stadium, um, it was a scary, scary situation um, for, for those who were in the building. It was some chaos at first because you didn't really know uh, where the shots were coming from. It was really, uh, really awesome to see both the national players and the Padre players kind of escorting family members and fans into uh, the dugout as they tried to figure out what was going on. Uh, fortunately, the incident took took place outside of the stadium. Everybody... Uh, happen to be okay, but it, uh, it it's a quick reminder that uh, we we are in some times now where you just don't know what anything could happen at any given point in time. Yeah, it was a terrifying view, um, especially it was not just what we saw. It was what we didn't see and the confusion that was taking place, especially for me. I wasn't there, obviously. I was just a viewer at home. And watching the chaos ensue on the field the way it did, it was really eye-opening seeing players, you know, running to grab their families and running in holding people. That right. was that was a terrifying thing to witness. But I can't commend the players on the field, uh, uh, the Washington Nationals, everyone at Nationals Ballpark, and um, you know, especially. And I know it's gotten a little bit of press, but especially what Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. did, taking care of those people who were really terrified in the stands i you know a lot of positive things yeah. came out of that tragic and horrible situation but 
it still it still is a scary reminder of where we are as a society. It it definitely gives you faith, some faith in humanity when you can see. I mean, it, 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 by all means, when you hear gunshots rang out the way those did, uh, you could see everybody kind of going into every man for himself mode. But that wasn't the case, and that was like I gotta say that was that was heartwarming to see uh, both sides do the same thing. Really, when it came to that, so. I started. We start there, so now we can get into some baseball. And uh, listen, let's let's start in the NL East. We're we're highlight a few races: the NL East, the NL West, the AL East, uh, and then we'll talk about some individual awards. We'll obviously talk about the deadline. But Cody, let's start in the NL East. This is a division that nobody seemingly wants to win. <laughs> Everybody uh, is kind of you know bunched together. Uh, the 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 Mets aren't playing that great right now. Uh, the Phillies are just right at 500. Everybody kind of hovering around that same place. The Braves have uh, lost Acuna. They've made some moves to try to keep uh, afloat. Um, and then the Nationals, you just don't know what you're going to get from them on a nightly basis. W- what are we to make of this this race right here, Cody? A division so bad that the team that is 10 games back, the Miami Marlins, are actually not out of it. That's how bad this division has been. There is no clear-cut favorite. There is no clear-cut winner. Four of the teams are buyers, and they're all hovering around 500. And we just saw the Mets nearly get swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates, who were arguably the worst team in Major League Baseball. This is a division that is all buyers, and they all need to buy. Right now, it seems like the best team in that division might be the Phillies, and the Phillies have the worst bullpen in Major League Baseball. So it's really these next two weeks, this trade deadline, I think is going to completely dictate who wins that division. Here's the thing with the Mets, and I'll ask you this. You look at them right now, uh, Lindor is on, gonna, is on the I.L., DeGrom is headed to the I.L., two of your, your, your biggest players, best players on the team, um, and then you bring up the whole pitching situation. We talked about it earlier. Chris Bryant seems like he would be the perfect fit there. But on the other hand, they do need some pitching. Do If they have to choose between one or the other, which way do you think they go? Honestly, offense. Uh, their pitching has still been good enough and still been top tier. I know DeGrom's down, but you still got Stroman. You still got Taiwan Walker, who himself has been putting up Cy Young Award numbers. And yes. uh, even, even, the, even the newest addition in McGill has come up and done an incredible job. So, you know, they got some arms, but they need bats. Their offense has been anemic. And now losing Lindor, we don't know what we're going to get back from Conforte. Conforto. We saw he hit a home run yesterday, but he has been terrible this season. This team needs bats and they need them bad. But I'm going to actually go one step further. We've talked about Bryant. That's not all they need because if you look at the numbers and spin rate the player who's been drastically most affected by it on the pit on the uh, New York Mets is Edwin Diaz Diaz has been absolutely terrible since the crackdown began and by the way I don't know if you saw it the other day when he gave up a walk-off grand slam to Pittsburgh but he did you and me's biggest pet peeve oh he I did it <laughs> he did it he did it On a walk-off Grand Slam, Edwin Diaz, you should be sent the double A for that. (laughs) Oh, my God. I saw that the other day. You were the first person I thought of, and I was furious. I was like, how dare you make me think you got the last out (laughs) and the ball go into the stands? Come on, Edwin. By several rows, by the way. It wasn't like it barely. Yeah, it it was off. 
It wasn't like it was so close. It was just a wall scraper. It went off the tip of the glove. It went rose deep. How dare? How oh. dare you, Edwin? Oh, my gosh. So yes, I, no. That that was a pet peeve, but you're right. I mean, maybe maybe they have to address both. Maybe it's not as simple as you go get Chris Bryant. You might have to you might have to address both situations if you because listen, they're sitting the top of the division. Despite all of what we said, they're atop the division. If they can find a way to get Chris Bryant and shore up that back end of that bullpen, there's no reason why they can't run away with this this National League, despite everything we've said. Well, that's why I think that their biggest trade target is not only Chris Bryant, it should just be the Cubs Kimbrel. because yeah, right yeah. now the Cubs got the biggest trade piece and that is Craig Kimbrell. If I if I am the New York Mets, if I am Stephen Cohen, I am going straight to the Cubs and saying, here is the Bingington Rumble Ponies, the entire <laughs> Rumble Ponies. You get all of them. Just give us these two guys because the Mets window is right now. It is. There's no doubt about it. I right, slide to the Phillies, right? Uh, it's a team that you, you just – it's hard to understand why they're not better than they actually are. They have a great offense. Uh, their defense is a little shaky. You mentioned the back end of that bullpen, which has been atrocious. However, they have a pretty favorable schedule coming up in the second half. Um, if you were a betting man, are you taking the fills? Are you putting money on the fills? Not right now, but that okay. might change in a couple of days because if they do get their hands on one or two bullpen pieces, the Phillies have an opportunity to run away with this division. They really, really do. If they were able to outfleece the Mets in the next week and a half, this should be their division because, yes, the Mets are still at the top of this, but I am terrified of their bats because they're a team that can hit. One right. through nine, they got hitters. They're just right. not hitting. Yeah, you know, I look at this team and I think it's going to take multiple bullpen arms because you got to kind of change the mojo. You know how sometimes a bullpen can be so bad, you go out and get one reliever and they kind of just blend into what the other relievers were doing before you got they got traded there. I think they got to kind of they got to go two, three different arms and they don't even have to necessarily be, you know, the big name guys. But they need to be quality bullpen arms. To kind of change the 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 momentum in that bullpen, I I saw that team for th for for three games when the Padres went there and watched their bullpen pretty much blow two games that they should have won, and mm -hmm. it didn't matter who they brought in. The guy, some of the guys who had the best uh, numbers coming in came into the game and were on a on a hot streak. Still found a way to give it up in those tight innings. So I think they need multiple arms, and if they can get that, you're right. That offense is scary because they get going. And even when they're not going, they still score runs. So mm -hmm. um, I, I think the Phillies are the team really behind the Mets that has the best chance to win that division. But uh, the team the Padres are getting ready to face here tonight are the Braves. And you mentioned bullpen. They're still having the same issues uh, as Philly in terms of that bullpen. They haven't The success they had at the back end of their bullpen last year has just – completely been evasive to the Braves this year so far with that bullpen. You know, I appreciate the Braves making a trade the other day. It got me excited. They got their hands on Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson in his first start, homers for the homers, Braves, yeah. a big win. And it made me for a second go, maybe that maybe they can do it. I don't think they can. I just no. don't think they got enough. They, they have too many injuries. Acuna Jr. out for the year is just the final death blow. And I think Jock Peterson, honestly, is about to be traded again in the next week and a half. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's the type of piece that the Braves can unload, right? Because most of their pieces are relatively young. They can't really unload them. They're, they want, they're going to want to hang on them because next year they'll probably be right back in the thick of this. But Jock is a, is a type of contract, as we've already seen, that can get moved. It'll be interesting to see what the Braves do. The Nationals, the Padres just finished playing them. I keep bringing up the Padres, but they're on an East Coast swing right now. We're talking about the National League East. The Nationals, um, they found a way to get yesterday's game. They were up. For a little bit, the Padres came back, took a two-run lead, and then uh, they blow it there in the ninth. So um, this Nationals team, it, they just can't quite get right. They don't. I don't know that they're going to hit enough in order to um, it to be a real threat. Because when you look at their lineup, the first five guys, and I see this Escobar has been good for them since he arrived in, in Washington. Trey Turner's a dog. Juan Soto's a big dog. Uh, Josh Bell has been a little inconsistent and then you start to have kind of a fall off in that lineup and I'm not sure that they are going to hit enough as constructed because remember Schwarber's still out they just lost uh, a young Gomes who was pit who was playing very well for them behind the behind the plate um, they're both on the IL right now and I don't know that they can afford to be losing guys like that at this stretch of the season. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It was looking like they were the team that was going to be able to overtake the Mets. Unfortunately, Schwarber going down to me was the final blow. If they don't get back Schwarber soon and he hits at the level that he was hitting at, he he was carrying that team. He made that team from a seller to a buyer in two weeks. Him yeah. going down has been the thing that has absolutely crushed Washington. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. The Marlins... Uh... Listen, I, 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 this team is is I still is about a year away. I thought they were two years early last year. They're back on schedule now, I think, and you know they're missing some arms. And I think as those arms get back, they're going to be back to being uh, a very tough team to deal with. But I don't see this team being buyers. I see this team really kind of standing pat. Now you're seeing that they can't come to an agreement with Sterling Marte. Uh, they could very well be sellers from that standpoint. Personally, I think if you can get something for Sterling Marte, I think you should. It's very yeah. clear he's not going to be staying there. And I don't find Sterling Marte to be the power bat that can change a lineup quite the way he's been you know, shown to be. So I, I really think if you can get your hands on a couple of prospects for him, you do it while you can. All right, let's slide to the National League West Coast. Uh, it's really a three-team race. Dodgers, excuse me, Giants, Dodgers, Padres. Uh, Padres miss a golden opportunity yesterday to, to close the gap a little bit more on both of the teams, but the Dodgers and Giants are about to beat up on each other starting tonight. Um, I don't think that this is a series yet because these teams are going to play each other so much down the stretch that you could say could change the tide yet. I think we're about another series away, but we're getting closer and closer to that time because these teams are about to play each other a whole bunch in the second half. Huge win for the Rockies yesterday on the Giants side, because yeah. if it wasn't for that win, that walk off by Charlie Blackman, the Dodgers and Giants would be going in tied in this series. Um, and right now they're going with the Giants in a one game lead. And that is not a small thing, because I do think this is the series where the Giants and Dodgers do flip flop. It's a four game series. I got the Dodgers winning three of these four games. That doesn't you. mean the yeah, I don't think the Giants are going to go away by any stretch of the imagination, but I have not been quiet that I do think that the Dodgers, even though they've lost two of their star pitchers and now Mookie Betts is down, I still think this team is the best team in the major leagues. I that's, really, really do. That's the only thing that gives me reservation. It seems like Mookie's starting to heat up, and now he he's going to miss some time a little bit, or, or a little bit of time at that. 
Um, that scares me a little bit in terms of them being able to catch the Giants. But this four game set is it's gonna have uh it's gonna have some some implications one way or another. So we'll see. The Padres, on the other hand, they take two or three from the Nationals. Nothing just nothing shabby about had a chance at the sweep, couldn't close the door in the ninth. Um, I believe that they're gonna get closer to one of the teams because um I'm not sure whether it's going to be the Dodgers or Giants, uh, either of those is going to, uh, both of those are going to come back to the pack at the same time. Just from what we've seen so far, I think it before the break, that it happened two games before the break came. But prior to that, May 9th was the last time both the Dodgers and Giants had lost on the same day and given the chance the Padres had won. So those teams don't lose very often at the same time. Uh, and, and so for that reason, I think it'll be easier to catch one than the other. Um, I think the Padres have a lot to, to address come the deadline. I mean, I think starting pitching is going to have to be addressed in some shape or form. You don't know what you're going to get from Denelson Lamette. Uh, Weathers is down now on the IL. He, he's expected to make his next start. We'll see. Uh, Blake Snell, again, had a rough outing, four innings, four, four innings I think he got through. Uh, you Darvish is making his start in this series against the Braves. So there's just a gang of question marks there. I think now you have to start uh, thinking about addressing your bullpen. And it's not that I think that Melanson can't get the job done, but you need backup plans and you need extra arms come this time of year. And so if you could get some some quality back bullpen arms, uh, they need to address that. And I think you also have to get a bat. Uh, the Padres – uh, I think what the last three weeks have shown is that there are some holes that they need to address if they want to really push for this division. Yes, I completely agree with you. I do think they're going to catch one of the teams. I do think the team they're going to catch is the Giants. That being said, I think all three of these teams are going to be hovering around 100 wins this season. 100, yeah. I think all three are going to be in the playoffs. And the only thing that really breaks my heart is that these three teams, who I think are the best three teams in Major League Baseball, along with the Astros and White Sox, is that they're only going to get one of these teams is only going to get one game of playoff baseball. And that yeah. bothers me a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about how anemic the NL East is and, you know, we're going to get a 500 team in the playoffs, but we're going to have a one game playoff for a team that wins a hundred wins. That's just not okay for me. I think major league baseball needs to eventually address this in some way. Um, well, they'll, have, they'll have a, they'll have a window here with this collective bargain agreement. This is the time you address those type of things. I've been thinking the same thing. Like, is this situation enough to make Major League Baseball move? Because it hasn't happened a whole lot. And that'll be the argument against doing anything about it. But it does seem a shame to have these three really, really good teams that, as you said, will probably be right around 100 wins and only we'll, we'll only get to see it, at least one of them play one game in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's just to me unforgivable. I think that's something that needs to be addressed. But yeah, you know, watching the watching the Padres play this season, and they've been an exciting team to watch. They've been super fun to watch. But it does seem like when they're not playing against specifically the Dodgers, yeah, something's missing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. It might be the pitching. It might be the bullpen. But there's just something they need another piece, and they definitely do need another bat. I know. I know it's easy to pick on Hosmer because you know he's got a huge contract and he. He just hasn't done much with it. And it's a contract that honestly should have crippled them, but they went off and made these other huge signings in Machado. And of course, Fernando Tatis Jr. is what he is now. But, you know, you the one name that's constantly brought up with the Padres is Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo, yeah. Um, yeah. 
I don't understand not making the move at this point. You should make that move. And also, obviously, the other sexy name that's out there is Craig Kimbrell. The only problem is Craig Kimbrell is going to bring in a haul. How much more do the Padres have the deal? That is the uh, that is the, the the golden question right there. And listen, how's it start? I mean, the last three weeks, his numbers have been amazing. Um, yeah, he's been better. The, he's definitely the, the, gotten. The, the, he's getting back to a better form. But even even with that being said, though, you can get a guy like Gallo. And if Haas is hot, there's other places you can put him. I mean, uh, Will ha- Myers hasn't been the same guy um, that he was last year. Remember, he hit like 280 last year with mm-hmm. with damage, like 16 homers, I believe it was, in, in a 60-game season. He hasn't gotten to that level again. And to me, that's what made their offense elite last year was you had really everybody rolling from Grisham to – to 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 Tatis to Machado to Hot Myers like you had a, some depth to that lineup and I think that's you you asked it's been something missing early in the season right like I say up about two weeks before the break it was that they were inconsistent offensively you know they get to the number five I think the record now they they score five runs or more I think the record now is like thirty nine and six um, and they just hadn't been able to get to that now over the last three weeks. This offense has looked much like 2020. However, the pitching is starting to falter now. And all those, the, the taxing of this bullpen that they put on early seems maybe to be coming to rear its ugly head. So they got a lot to address when it comes to that roster. And uh, that name you mentioned, Joey Gallo, has seemingly been the one that, you know, has rang the loudest. It's the one you keep hearing over and over and over again, no matter what week it is. Yeah, and it and it does. It is a fit. There is a fit there. He can bring yeah. a lot to that ball club. But again, the thing that scares me the most still is the pitching situation. You don't know what yeah. you got in Lamette right now, and there are pitchers that are out there that can really help this team. Yeah, no doubt. They were supposedly uh, at Cole Hamill's uh, extravaganza workout there that he had over this over the past week. So we'll see where the Padres in. As I said, a little over a week left before the deadline. All right, let's move to the ALEs. Uh, really, really tight race between Red Sox and Rays. Uh, which team you give the advantage to? You know, I just got to give it to the Rays. Uh, the Rays have a model that is, you know, it's it's a playbook that's played by three specific teams. The Rays, the Dodgers, and the Giants. How they turn over their lineups, how they play matchups mid-game. You know, the Rays are basically a National League team in the American League. And they have just so many different ways to beat you. And quite frankly, I think the Red Sox right now are starting to falter. I think some of the cracks are starting to show. Do I think they'll still remain towards the top of the division? Yes, but I'm also concerned about how good the uh, Blue Jays have been playing because I think the Blue Jays are a team that is also going to catch up to the Boston Red Sox. That's interesting. Now, the Red Sox uh, need to, I mean, you would think, oh, let me ask you this. Let's put it this way. Is there a specific move that the Red Sox can make to separate themselves or is Chris Sale good enough to be that move? You see, we don't know what we're going to get from Chris Sale because we haven't seen him in a year and a half. You know how those surgeries can go. If a guy can come back and he can be better than he once was or he can come back and be a shell of what he once was. Like, Like a guy that I currently look at is a model for him is Madison Bumgarner. Like I feel like Madison Bumgarner ever since going over to the ever since actually before going to Arizona his last year in San Francisco, he just doesn't have the same velocity, same numbers that he once did. So he's not the same guy. So are we going to get that version of Chris Sale? 
I think they need at least another arm. That team can flat out hit flat out. They can hit with as good as anybody in Major League Baseball, but they need at least one more starter because Eovaldi can't throw every day. <laughs> no, no, he can't throw every day. That's for sure. <laughs> Shout out to Nathan Evaldi. I had a, had him as a as a rookie in 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 L.A. He was a good dude. Good to see him having some success. Um, Yankees. We uh, we have to talk about them. they're in the American League East. Do do they even have a shot at this wild card? You think, or, or, or are they cooked? I mean, they have a shot because their team is specifically based on one thing. They're you know what they are. The Yankees are George Foreman in his 50s. <laughs> they're just looking for the big shot every yeah, time. They're, they're just every time, they're just going to get punched all match. And then they're just hoping for one right hook to catch somebody. And then you walk away with the title. <laughs> that is a superb analogy right there. George yeah, nailed Foreman it. in his 50s. Good for you. That's good. That's good. I mean, it's funny because it's true. That's that's at least that's how they have looked all season long. They just look like they're looking for the big shot. They get it. And it was funny. I watched the game this weekend. I haven't watched the Yankees in a while, but I watched the game over the weekend. And I actually it was a Sunday night game and they were, you know, they were making a big deal about uh, how they were using the running game and 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 how the Yankee fans have been asking for basically some type of uh, a versatility in how they go about the offensive end. And it was interesting to see them, you know, get that win against the Red Sox finally. And they did it in a manner that you wouldn't expect the Yankees to do it offensively. They stole some bases. They played some small ball. They moved guys around. And it was uh, it was some entertaining baseball. But it's funny you mentioned it. That's why the George uh, Foreman analogy is so hilarious to me. Yeah, I look at that team and, you know, I keep thinking in my head, can you imagine just the addition of one player? Just imagine if Didi Gregorius was still there, a guy with some speed, left-handed bat who also has some pop. Like, if you just take him out of Philly and put him to that Yankees team, that's a different lineup right there. That one additional player. I liked it when they went out and got Timmy LaCastro because at least they got somebody with speed who can get on base a little bit because the rest of the team does not fill that mo- that model. They need some right. guys that can run and do some things. My uh, my fellow Aztec for life, Greg Allen, had a night last night. He stole a couple bases. I saw had a big knock at an RBI, uh, but he's that type of player as well. So uh, we'll see what happens with the Yankees. Uh, I'm not holding my breath on them. They, every time I've tried to say, you know what, they're still in it because they got the guys, and they do. They just haven't shown any life yet. So, I mean, we got a second half of the season to go. We'll see how it goes. All right, let's get into some of this individual awards talk. Um, AL Cy Young all year long has been a, a legitimate race. Uh, there does seem to be a front runner there. The NL Cy Young Award hasn't been a legitimate race. It's been one guy, but he's now going to the I.O. for his third time, and that's mm-hmm. Jacob DeGrom. Is that an, he's had such a terrific year that it's feasible that he could miss this much time and still be the front runner. Will you say that after this I.L. stint is done, um, would you still have him regardless of what happens at the forefront of your of your race? No, I would not. And I just Talk changed my mind 20 seconds ago. <laughs> so you had him on there 20 seconds ago. You no longer have him at the front anymore. No, no. I still have him at the front because I do think he's going to come back and have a few more starts. But if he comes back and gets hurt in that first game, he's going to be shut down for a while. And that's yeah, where I'm okay. going to have put the pump the brakes on everything. If he comes back and has a good start, goes a couple more starts, 
then he, I think he's a lock for the Cy Young, a lock. However, I no longer feel that he's a lock for the MVP anymore because I don't think he's going to be able to make enough starts. I'm really worried about all these lingering injuries. And he even mentioned that some of these injuries were from hitting. Yes, please. Universal DH now. But I am scared that these lingering injuries are going to lead to something much bigger. And that is something that terrifies me. I'm going to need my fellow pitchers to stop blaming everything on hitting. You guys, you guys have swinging bats since you was little kids. Please stop blaming it on the baseball bat. You can't be the best athlete in the world, as you guys all claim to be, and then not be able to swing a baseball bat. It's just They're not the best athletes. They're pitchers. Don't let them fool you. <laughs> they claim that, though. So I'm going to use it against them in this scenario. Uh, you're you know, right. You though. know, whenever they say that, like, oh man, I'll take, I'll, I'm a pitcher. I'm gonna beat you on a jump, uh, you know, a game of horse. No, you're not. <laughs> you're a pitcher. <laughs> Stop it before you get yourself hurt. As we're talking about right now. Uh, listen, you know, for the MVP part, I was with you again. But once you start having a few of these IL stints, as you said, I, my bar is extremely high for a pitcher to win an MVP, and me, merely getting hurt like this can take you off of of that list, in in my opinion. And so, mm-hmm. although I still have him ahead for the Cy Young, um, I no longer have him in that that MVP discussion just because, you know, you already have your award. You got to be like above and beyond great uh, when it comes to winning an MVP as a pitcher. So, uh, yeah, you know, for, for me, he's he's kind of he's kind of out of that <laughs> that particular race. Now, uh, who who would you have? Kind of in the, uh, I guess, behind DeGrom, though, for that for that Cy Young in the National League. Uh, Cy Young, you know, Corbin Burns is a guy that I really think has been in the in the running all year. I think Corbin Burns, what he's done, also Woodruff as well. Both those guys in Milwaukee have been studs. Uh, yeah. Also, on top of that, also in New York, I know it was a tough game yesterday, especially after that abysmal error. <laughs> Taiwan <flip>. Walker, <laughs> yeah. with the exception of the single worst error of the season. Has had a really, really good year, but that yeah. was bad. Oh my god! Well, holy shit, was that bad? I mean, if if we're talking Woodruff, we're talking Burns, same team, they could split some votes. Um, we got to be talking about Kevin Gosman. I mean, mm-hmm. the year he's yes, having one seven nine nine and three right now. His team is sitting atop the division. I, I have I have held off of putting his name in there because I wasn't sure how real it was. But it's definitely real at this point. So uh, he's definitely in the discussion. Let's slide over to the AL. Yo, um, can I throw I, one more name in there? Because I feel yeah. like it's a crime that it's not just you and me. I think it's everyone. No one talks about this guy. And it's because of the team he's on. And he's a Dodger. Oh, it is? Walker Bueller oh, is Bueller. the ace of the Dodgers staff. And he is the least talked about starter on that team. Why do you Why do you think that is? Why is it that we don't? Because he's clearly... I mean, listen, he's 10 and 1 on the year, ladies and gentlemen. He's got a 237. He's pitched 121 innings at this point. Why is it that we overlook this dude all the time? I don't know. It must be because he shares a rotation spot with a, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer Hall and of Fame, Kershaw. Yeah. You know, David Price is there. And I mean, David Price is not the guy he once was, but he's still David Price. You know, it's just a team of so many stars that. He's young and he doesn't have a huge contract, so it's just got to be a, he's just constantly overlooked, but he is the ace of that staff and obviously one of the best in the game. Listen, I'm looking at his numbers. And I, I hadn't looked at him all year. Just to t- speak to your point about how we forget about him all the time, I mean, his numbers are legit. 19 starts. He's gotten 11 decisions in those starts. 
He's got a whip of 0.91. Um, and he's been better over his last seven games than he was prior. So I, I you're right. I apologize, Walker. You should be very much in the conversation, and it shouldn't be a throw-in, to be quite frank. You should be up there on the uh, high on the list. So, uh, Walker Bueller, we'll add him to. Okay, slide now to the AL. And to me, I think there is a front runner here. I think it's Rendon of uh, of the White Sox. I think he's had just a tremendous year uh, all season long, and I can't think of a better pitcher in the American League than him right now. You know, he has been stupendous this season. What a breath of fresh air, especially after being DFA'd last year. Like, everything yeah. about him is an incredible yeah. story. He's going to get his hands on a hell of a contract. I personally hope that the Lance Lynn extension is going to lead to an extension for him as well. I know yeah. he likes pitching there. I know that's his home. So I, I, I think that he's been incredible. And yeah, he's right up there. The other name on the list is the tried and true name that everyone expected to be there, and that's Garrett Cole. Cole. You know, early in the crackdown, obviously he had that one game where he put up a 10 spot. Awful, awful day for him. But since then, he's been the Garrett Cole that we that they paid for. He went out there. He pitched a complete game the other day. He forced Aaron Boone to keep him in. Huge moment. <laughs> yeah, he did. Huge. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it was awesome, dude. I love seeing a pitcher do that. And he goes out there and he gets the job done. That that moment for Garrett was a huge moment for Garrett Cole and the Yankees. And I think Yankee fans with Garrett Cole he came out the other day. He finally got the, the first win against the Red Sox this season. That was huge as well. And that was a must win situation in July. Listen, for all the crap that has been talked you know, ever since he stumbled on that question, and we said it on we said it on this show. He unfortunately would be the poster child for this whole situation. Um, doesn't look like whatever the rule changes are have hurt him very much. He seems to have kind of turned it up a level, and I like seeing. I love seeing that from him uh, with Aaron Boone, and he had the right manager to do it. With. Aaron Boone understood what was going on. He probably knew what was going on before he even got to the mound. What kind of reaction he was going to get? But you're right. Uh, Garrett Cole's got to be in that conversation in terms of uh, of Cy Young. I, I'll, again, I'll reiterate. I think right now for me, it's Rendon who's got who's a front runner. But you certainly can't be mad at uh, a guy like Garrett Cole being in the conversation and possibly winning it uh, when it's all said and done. And you know, I don't expect him to be in the in the Cy Young race, but he came out first game after uh, all, his first start after the All Star break. Had a you know, I wouldn't say a bad first half, but a shaky first half considering yeah. what he's been in the past. And that's Lucas Giolito. I think he's going to have a real big second half. I think he's got a lot of people he wants to shut up. I kind of I kind of am hopeful to see it because uh, uh, my man pulled pulled his card uh, last couple weeks ago, and it just seemed like, it seems like it's been quite. It's been kind of quiet over there after Josh Donaldson got at him about, you know, his stuff not being the same. And um, you want to see a guy have some success after going through a little moment like that because it seemed like uh, that went in favor of Josh Donaldson in that particular case. All right, NL, AL, MVP. Let's start in the AL. Who you got? It's a tough one right now in the AL. But, I mean, you, I, I, the reason why it's tough is because it's a clear-cut one-person race. But on, but in Toronto, we got a guy who's going to hit for the triple crown potentially. Like, I just, it's amazing that we've ignored Vladdy Jr. this much this year because he's on pace for over 60 home runs at 23 years old. And Otani is your MVP. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think the only thing that prevents Otani from winning this MVP 
is if Vlad wins a triple crown. If he if he hits that triple crown. If he hits that triple crown, I think it'll be extremely difficult not to give uh Vlad Jr. the MVP. And to be quite frank, it might be difficult not to give it to him, even if he finishes, you know, one short. Because the year he's putting together in his second full season, 332, he's leading the league in hitting. He's got 78 RBIs. He's three behind Otani and Homers. Um, and then there's a big gap between him and Gallo, 31-24. Uh, you, you you might be right. I think we've kind of been so fascinated by Otani and what he's doing. We have forgotten um, the what's, what's, what Otani's doing. And to be fair, Otani's not no slouch, right? He's, he's second in RBIs behind him. So he very well could be uh, win two of those major offensive categories himself but um and that's to me is why we have been talking about Otani because not only is he first or second in home run and RBIs oh yeah he also pitches and has some wins under his belt and and amongst the leaders in strikeouts so it's 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 you on one hand you understand why we haven't looked at Vlad Jr but the other hand you can kind of on the other side of the coin you can kind of see why yeah and also at the end of the day you got to remember who's voting on this the end of the day, writers vote this award. So right. if, if right. they're voting this award, who is the player who's been talked about the most throughout the entire season? Shohei and it's Ohtani. not even close. It's Otani. Yeah. It's it, yeah. There's not even a close second. Those guys are voting for Otani, just not only for the season he's having, but the amount of attention that he's brought to Major League Baseball on a global scale. There is no way anyone else is winning this award. How about National League? Who you got? National League is a little bit more intriguing right now because we just finished talking about DeGrom who looked like he was the sh you know surefire, no question about an MVP, which as of right now, he still is. And I don't think all the other names that have been you know attached to it, you know, I know Tatis Jr. is incredible, but I don't think he's going to be your MVP. In fact, I got a different guy in San Diego who I think is going to have a monster second half, and that's Manny Machado. I think Manny Machado can carry this team all the way to the playoffs and get himself an MVP award. Yeah, it's, it's already started. Uh, it's already started. He is um, started. He went into the break hot. He's come out of the break hot. Um, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna overtake Nolan Arenado for a Gold Glove this year uh, for the first time since he's been in the National League. He's been that good, and I didn't think it was possible for him to be better defensively, but he has been. Um, and you're right. I think Manny's gonna make a huge push. I think the National League, as you said, it's wide open. It it, it really is wide open. Tatis, you, the, you fear that they'll split votes. Because there will people be people who see the value in both, um, and, and we'll have to choose between the two. Um, but this one, this race to me is is not even close to being done yet. Juan Soto, I think, is about to be have a tremendous second half. I had talked to uh, to their hidden coach Kevin Long before the break, and he was saying that he's just getting started. Like he hadn't really gotten into a rhythm, and then he hit two homers the other night against the Padres. He had three hits. I mean, this guy. He's about to have one of those second halves that we're we're all in on. So this NL MVP race is really a wide open one. Couldn't agree more. I think I think exactly the same thing. I love that comment on Juan Soto. And if K Long says that, I believe it because I believe anything <laughs> K Long says or does. In fact, I think K Long should be the next uh, main guy to be hired as a manager. I I've wanted K Long in that spot for so long. I think he'll bring a lot to a team. But yeah, I think I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I think Soto is going to be a guy who's going to be right in there, especially if the Nats decide to start winning. Yep. 
Yep, yep. That could be a big factor in um, how this that National League East race plays uh, plays out. All right, it's going to do it for this week's episode. When we talk next week, well, shoot, what will the next week be? Next week is what? Next Monday is... Something in July. 26, so Ah. we'll be a few days ahead of uh, the trade deadline, but maybe there'll be some movement. There's already been a little bit... Um, since the since the break has has ended or has be, second half has begun, and uh, we'll we'll bring you all that info when we have it. Until next time, uh, you can always catch us on Twitter. You can catch me at Tony Gwynn Jr. He's at Decker Six. Don't forget to follow us on the Odyssey Sports app, uh, where you can find Big Time Baseball. Uh, really, wherever you find your podcast. Until next week, we'll catch you later. Cody Decker, Tony Gwynn Jr. Take care. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.